재미와 지식의 오디오라이프 팝빵 Some years ago I started calling myself Ginger Peter Sherlock Rosemary Emmanuel The Archbishop of Canterbury You may know me better as The Real Slim Shady Rumoured to be the new signing for Westminster and the Thames. And I just love to ride horses. But only if the Banjo Union Bolt has been correctly fitted. First chapter. It is time again for first chapter. We read you an excerpt from a different book every Sunday morning, usually from the exposition. Today's book is Piladoe Yesu or Pilate's Jesus by writer Chong Chan. It is the story of Jesus' death and resurrection seen through the eyes of Pontius Pilate and the social political climate of his times. Pontius Pilate was a prefect of the Roman province of Judea under Emperor Tiberius from 26 to 36 AD, and he was most famous for trying and crucifying Jesus. I'll be reading from the very beginning of the book, where the novelist protagonist, who has run out of things to write about, travels to Mount Pilatus in Lucerne, Switzerland. This is where, legend has it, a guilt-ridden Pontius Pilate lived out the rest of his days in a secret monastery. I'll be back after Could We Start Again, Please, from Jesus Christ Superstar, the musical. Please enjoy. Pilate's Jesus by Tong Chan. Last summer, while I was having a drink with a friend who runs a small travel agency, I confessed how it was becoming more and more difficult for me to write fiction. When my friend asked me why, I dolefully replied that my creative juices were drying up. A few days later, my friend made an unexpected offer. He said that he was putting together a package, and for 500,000 won, I could go on a 13-day tour of Europe. You could share a room with the guide from our travel agency, and the bus rental fee won't go up because of one extra person. 500,000 won will cover the basic cost of airfare and food. It was clear that it was out of consideration for my paltry earnings, but he stressed the words, basic cost. What he tacked on after this was classic. After bringing up the fact that I had written a short story based on my experience exploring the hidden corners of Kangwon province, he suggested that I should be able to produce at least three or four novels after a trip to Europe. Laughing out loud, I replied, You're right, I should. I was touched by his simple and naive gesture of friendship. This is how I came to travel to Europe for the first time in my life. Travel is an act of seeking out an unfamiliar world. The pleasure of that act springs from the mind's powers of absorption. That is the case for me, at least. 
No matter how spectacular the view, if I cannot absorb it with my mind, the scenery fades and I derive no pleasure from it. Unfortunately, my first trip to Europe turned out this way. This became apparent in Rome and Paris. Rome was the city I had been most excited to visit as I prepared for the trip. As the center of ancient Roman civilization, an important historical site for Christianity, an heir to the cultural heritage of the Renaissance and Baroque periods, Rome made my heart flutter with anticipation. But that anticipation began to fade from the day of our arrival. Even in the midst of our fatigue from the journey and the time difference, we moved around frantically. From the Vatican Museum and St. Peter's Cathedral to the Colosseum, the ruins of the Roman Forum and the catacombs, there were just too many places to see in the limited time we had. Physical fatigue dramatically reduced my mind's capacity to take it all in. I should have been deeply moved by the immense architectural structure and the artistic magnificence of St. Peter's Cathedral. Instead, Physical fatigue hindered any close observation and the pleasure that follows. It was the same everywhere. My mind's eye was hazy. It wasn't that I felt no pleasure at all. As I basked in the stillness of the ruins while resting on a low stone wall during a break, I began to feel the pleasure of travel. It was a pleasure close to tranquility. Despite the physical fatigue, there were certain historical sites that stirred deep emotions within me. They were the Mamertine prison on Capitoline Hill, once the center of ancient Rome and the Museo Capitolino built during the reign of Pope Sixtus IV. Mamertine prison, where St. Peter is said to have been imprisoned by order of Emperor Nero, is located deep within Capitoline Hill. The Roman historian Salacius described it as a place full of loneliness, darkness, and a horrible stench. It was Sejanus who came to mind as I peered into that gloomy underground prison. As the one with actual power during the reign of Emperor Tiberius, Sejanus appointed Pontius Pilate to become governor of Judea. Years later, Pilate became enmeshed in history through his role in the crucifixion of Jesus while Sejanus fell dramatically from the height of power and met a wretched death in Mamertine prison.
There is a room in the Museo Capitolino in which the busts of emperors and their families are displayed. The young Emperor Augustus with his lean, sharp face. Nero with his round, peaceful face. Caligula, looking as strong as a bull. And Vitellius, so fat that he looks beastly. The busts of the emperors alone do not bring to mind their histories. The accompanying descriptions do. Emperor Caligula, murdered. Emperor Nero, murdered. Emperor Vitellius, murdered. Emperor Commodus, murdered. Crispina, the wife of Emperor Commodus, murdered. Lucilla, the daughter of Emperor Aurelius, murdered. Emperor Perdinax, murdered. There were very few emperors or their male relatives in the later years of Roman Empire who had the good fortune of dying a natural death. Their lives comprised years of bloodshed linked by assassination. Emperor Commodus had the walls of the palace covered with marble. These were to serve as mirrors to expose potential assassins. Nevertheless, Commodus ended up dying a bloody death. The Museo Capitolino plainly spells out the traces of their bloody demise. As I set foot in Paris, my heart began to race. This was because of the Louvre Museum, the largest museum in the world, with over 250,000 pieces in its collection. Art from the ancient Orient, Greece and Rome, European sculpture after the Middle Ages, as well as the works of da Vinci, Raphael, Poussin, Millet, Manet, Monet, Degas, Pissarro, Renoir, Cezanne, Van Gogh, Gauguin, and other artists who radiantly decorate the history of Western art are there to dazzle the visitors. Such brilliance made my heart race. Why did this brilliance fade so quickly? The biggest reason was our lack of time. We were allotted a mere hour and a half. A few days would have been insufficient, much less an hour and a half. As I walked into the museum, I thought that I should focus on a few pieces. It was a given that I would have to use my time efficiently. A little while later, I became dumbstruck. The corridors were overflowing with people, mainly groups of tourists. The clamor of the people and the suffocating heat were more than sufficient distraction. By the time I left the museum, I was drenched with sweat. I knew that I had seen countless famous paintings, but I hadn't looked at a single one properly. At that moment, my friend's face popped up in my mind. Had I believed my friend when he said that I would be able to write three or four novels after a tour of Europe? Of course not. If a novel could be written every time one visited an unfamiliar or exotic place, the world would be crawling with novelists. Nevertheless, I had been ready to seize upon any material for my novels that might present itself. This was my obsession as a writer and the least I could do for my friend for his simple gesture of friendship. As I cooled off outside the Louvre, I realized how my attitude had changed.
The songs we played in between were two tracks from Jesus Christ Superstar, the musical, starting with Pilot's Dream, followed by Pilot and Christ. Today I read from Jung Chan's Pilot's Jesus, translated by Gong Yu-jung. The translation was published in 2011 by Cross-Cultural Communications. Copies are available any place where books are sold. Chan started publishing in 1983 and won the Dongin Literary Prize in 1995. Known for his close, persistent examination of theological themes based on meticulous research on historical backgrounds, Chan poses these questions in Pilate's Jesus. What is Jesus as an ideology, and what should religion mean to people? If you want to know what happens next on the writer's journey to Mount Pilatus, check out Pilate's Jesus by Chong Chan. It is time for this week's quote, which is from The Name of the Rose by Umberto Eco, who passed away recently. Daytime sleep is like the sin of the flesh. The more you have, the more you want, and yet you feel unhappy, sated and unsated at the same time. Once again, that was from Umberto Eco's The Name of the Rose. We have arrived at the end of our show. Please go to our website if you would like to learn more about next week's topic. I'm Jamie Chang. Have a wonderful week and tune in again next Sunday at 10 a.m. for another brand new installation of The Bookend. Taking us out is Enigma singing, I love you, I'll kill you. (laughs) 